0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, and this is the interview I teased this morning on the Daily Financial News. I have someone that looks at the housing market probably more than me, and let's just say that is hard to do. Uh, Let's welcome Lance to the show. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, doing good, Michael. Really appreciate you reaching out.
0: Well, do me a favor. Introduce yourself to the audience and why I say with confidence you actually may look at the housing market more than me.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm an editor at Fortune Magazine. Uh, I have my own newsletter called Fortune Analytics that goes out each week to an executive type crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before coming to Fortune Magazine, uh, I had worked at Realtor.com for a couple of years analyzing housing data. And I, you know, at the time, we always talked about the fact that towards the end of the decade, coming into the 2020s, there would be this big rush of millennials into the housing market. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, those born between 1989 and 1993 are the five largest birth years for millennials. And they all hit the age of 30 between 2019 and 2023. So even when I was coming into Fortune, I told them, hey, there's, I'm probably going to slide a little bit into the housing stuff over time if this, you know, theory actually plays out. And of course, uh, you know, not only did it play out, but that wasn't even necessarily all that was driving it. We had the perfect storm of the pandemic housing boom. Mm -hmm. And in my view of the housing market is I feel like this cycle, you can kind of see where we are headed for the bigger economic cycle Mm -hmm. by looking through housing. I agree. Uh, You know, we hear the narrative of the supply chain constraints, the shocks from the lockdowns, But I also believe there's an underlooked aspect to the inflationary side, which is demand. And we have unleashed a lot of demand. And where you can see that is the housing market. And of course, this the boom in the housing market and, uh, you know, all the movement across states and, uh, you know, the the new construction, which, you know, we went up to 1.8 million housing starts that actually put strain on the supply chain. The supply chain could never catch up because as soon as, you know, the lockdowns were kind of lifted, boom, the work from home migration was off to the races. And, you know, I I lived in New York for a few years, my wife and I, and we had a three-year-old and we're among the people that left uh, New York. We came to Cincinnati, built a house in the summer of 2020. Uh, And, you know, coming from a small New York apartment, we had to buy everything. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Yeah. You mean you need more than one couch? Yeah. It, uh, and we actually threw our couch out. We left exactly. it. Of course. Why would you? That doesn't match the new furniture. It's a different quality. It'll, yeah, I, I get it. Yes. We left it in a foot of snow. Nobody would come pick it up. Um, and uh, and so we had to get all new furnishing. And so the the work from home migration, I believe, was always uh, overlooked. Um, and I think it put a lot of stress on the whole supply chain.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and, and, so, and before I get into my view of housing, which I've had coming into this year, a little more of a bearish view, because I think the housing cycle was going to get broken uh, by the Fed's uh, inflation fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I get into it, I just want to say that we have just lived through perhaps one of the most valuable periods ever for ownership. Uh, You look at the appreciation side, U.S., we've gone up 42% uh, with home values during the pandemic, but it's the other side of it. Uh, Homeowners, unlike uh, renters, are more protected from inflation. Um, And you look back at history in the 1970s, from the beginning of the 1970s to the end, inflation went up 100%. -hmm. The S&P 500 went up 10%. That's Mm -hmm. not annualized. That's the whole decade. That's the decade, yeah. And uh, U.S. home prices went up 160% and rents were up like 120 or 110. I'd have to go back and look at it. But, yeah. you know, and, and, and so, you know, now when we look at the data and we see that we have become fundamentally detached from home prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you have some people worried about some type of crash or something like that. Sure. The thing that I would say to people is, would you rather be somebody going into the 70s as a renter? Or would you rather be a homeowner about to ride out? Oh, wait, yeah,
0: I'd rather this is,
1: homeowner riding out. Oh, wait. Yeah, because uh,
0: again, your debt doesn't change. You've got fixed rate debt, uh, all of this stuff. So it's funny you bring all of this up. There's There's kind of three themes. And we'll go in any order you would like. First theme, I actually produced for my channel over a year ago what's now called the 52-Year Spreadsheet. I went back to 1970 and documented all kinds of economic factors. And the first time I introduced this spreadsheet, which I give away for free, by the way, it's all sourced and all this stuff, is I said the people that won the 70s are people who bought a house in 1970. It was the lowest interest rate of the decade. It was fixed for 30 years. Prices doubled. Right, more you know, 106, but prices doubled, so your your balance sheet went up. If you're renting it, rents doubled, so that's you know NOI and you know cash flow doubled. So more than doubled, right? Because that was all net uh, positive. So same idea, right? I actually created a shirt that says, and I'm looking right at it. I use inflation to get rich. Ask me how.
1: And, And you know, and I'm I'm right there with you. And 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 if you look at what happened at the conclusion of that whole period, which. It concluded finally with a third recession in 81, 82, uh, mortgage rates got to 18%. Mm-hmm. We only very briefly had a nominal home price decline year over year. Very yeah, we briefly. had
0: we had a couple of real yeah. housing declines, but that's not what most people look at. It's all nominal. That was definitely a conversation. There's a big difference between real and nominal, which I try to educate people on. It,
1: And and so we've been detached from fundamentals three times Mm -hmm. that period, very brief nominal decline. And then we had the the real. So income and inflation grew faster than house prices. Mm -hmm. And that helped to get the fundamentals back in line and helped to grow the next housing cycle. And then we had the 08, which really, you know, I still kind of see as a once in a hundred year episode. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 you know, homeowners are a much better financial state now. We don't necessarily have the credit and debt issues that we had then um so i I don't think there's any reason to think it's that uh and then we have now our current episode so it's Mm -hmm. a question mark of where do we go next yeah
0: um and and i would love to talk about that Uh, again i i think there's lance i think there's definitely a chance that we have a real pricing decline if you look at over the next three to five years uh, but I don't see a nominal. It'll be relatively flat, but let's get to that. Let's kind of end on that. Cause I think that's where the money is. I have two other things that I believe at the core and I'll give you both. And then we'll talk about whichever one you want to talk about first. One is I've adapted the mindset that the fed broke the housing market. Two, yeah. I believe we are entering a housing depression. So both of those are meant to be kind of Thought provoking, which one of those two do you want to dive in first? The Fed broke housing or a housing depression?
1: Well, and, and so I, I don't know. When you say Fed broke housing, I don't know if you meant. Uh, well, I'll define them. Whichever one interests you, I'll define yeah, them. You're not, not supposed to. how you view it. If, if you mean they they broke the current housing cycle we're in, yes. And then all of the housing cycles, and this probably goes to the point you're saying, they all, all the housing cycles are related to inflation, related to unemployment, related to the business cycle. And the housing cycle has been morphed over time, based on how the Fed, uh, uh, you know. So it's attacked. it's a
0: it's I think it's a little I don't know either more subtle or more important than all because all that is true, Lance. This is what I mean by the Fed broke housing. Just kind of lay it out for you. So for all of my adult life, and I've been looking at the housing market for thirty years, at the base value it goes like this: first-time homeowner, they buy the home, they're single, they're married, no kids. You know, they fool around, they make babies. At some point, they have a move up, right? They make more money. And at some point, they go from a move up to luxury, right? There's a general trend of how housing behaves as we get older, right? You talked about millennials in your introduction, aging into first-time home ownership. Why do I mean the Fed broke housing? I think the Fed broke housing, the natural cycle of housing for five to eight years. Why do I say that? Well, as I'm sure you know, A large percentage of homeowners in the residential space have a mortgage with a two on it now. It's estimated.
1: I see. I see where you're going now. Uh, When I bought this house, if I would have known how everything would play out, I would have bought a bigger house. Exactly. Two kids now. We have three bedrooms. I would have gotten a fourth bedroom uh, because now I'm not moving. Uh, Exactly.
0: You're going to buy bunk beds.
1: Yeah. That's, you're right. Exactly. We have a boy and a girl. And we're going to bunk bed the the you know whatever. I'm telling point. you folks, this is happening. Invest in bunk beds. Nobody's <laughs> moving. So so I yeah I see what your point is yeah uh, because uh, why would I give up a 2.6 percent mortgage rate?
0: There again, I've so I've been talking about this for six months. The Fed broke housing. Now what's going to happen is it used to be hey one one life event because for 40 years as you know. Rates got cheaper, so the move up home was not as painful because mm. the rates came down. Generally speaking, yes, it was pricier, but you took the equity, you moved in. The payment wasn't great. I've had people do the math with me on my channel. The payment, most of the time, Lance, is up hundred yeah. percent. Sometimes it's up two hundred percent. The Fed broke housing. Not only do we have a first-time home ownership problem because now we have eighteen million people that can't qualify at six that could could at three. Problem. Second, Lance isn't going to move. Lance is going to buy bunk beds, which Lance, that's two homes you're not selling and you're not buying. Yeah. That's Fed broke housing.
1: That's what I, I think. Yeah. So I, I see what you mean there. And yeah, that, that's an it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and where mortgage rates move to. Uh, you know, I think the more, well, first of all, we don't know if this inflationary cycle is going to break. Very quickly, you know. There's a chance. Well, it's going to go down. That has to happen. The yeah. Fed has the power to make it go down. But what if it's more entrenched and it comes back in the future? That that scenario, which if we go into a recession and it looks like a lot of the indications are are pointing to, we will probably go into one. Mortgage rates will probably end up coming down a bit. But if we are in a sticky inflationary cycle and inflation comes back, that means we're moving into this period where over 5% rates yep. going to stay around. And that's where you're probably right, where we have locked a lot of people down. Uh, now, from the economic side of it, it's a little less worrying because people now with the work from home, actually the work from home coupled with low rates locks people down even more. Exactly. That's what I think about it. Yeah. It's definitely, that's it's good. broken, man. Broken. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't, yeah, that's an interesting point.
0: Yeah. So again, I think Fed broke housing and I think it's, the nor- normal natural is like five to eight years. People kind of start moving. We, it's now going to be two or three life events before you. Like, if you have another kid, like right now you're going bunk beds. But if for whatever reason you have another kid and she has twins, you're going to be forced to move, right? It's going to be an uncomfortable situation that causes people to move because it might happen. But in reality, you probably rent this home. You don't sell it because you cash flow like a monster. So that's my statement. The Fed broke housing. Now, number two, I believe housing is going to enter a depression, a
1: nuclear winter. Like, are we talking about sales? Ah, see,
0: now you're catching on, right? You got to be very careful. Absolutely, transactions. Mm -hmm. Go back and look at history. We have had a time where rates doubled before. It was in the late 70s, early 80s. And just like last time, we are going to see peak to trough, a crash in transactions of 50%. Yeah. That is going, if your income, is reliant on transactions, it is going to feel like a depression. GDP made up of the housing market, as you know, is about 15%. If we lose 4% and the housing market, it's gonna drag the economy into a recession. So I believe we are not in a first half recession, even though both quarters were negative. I have an econ degree. It's more sophisticated than that. However, I believe the housing market is falling apart so fast, that the recession started July 1st. It won't be called until January or February, but I believe the recession calling it right now on July 28th will be labeled Q3, Q4. And more importantly, it will be housing market led. You can't lose 50% of transactions. You can't have 83% claps in refis. The liquidity is coming out of the market. Everybody who wets their beak in housing is gonna have to live on ramen noodles. It's, it's, it's going to be bad. And that's what I see coming. That's what I mean. Housing depression.
1: I, I, and, and my Twitter profile, my description, it just says works at fortune magazine and housing is the business cycle. And I I think a lot of people have forgotten how important housing is, especially when the fed moves into an inflationary fight, Uh, a normal fed induced recession, or actually a normal recession is historically speaking, fed induced, Mm -hmm. and they do it by breaking the housing cycle. That's yep. a normal recession, and actually, we have not had a normal recession this whole century. The no, dot com. Uh, now, you could say oh five oh eight, but really, that wasn't the Fed breaking the housing cycle. The housing broke itself.
0: No, I I agree. Housing it, broke itself.
1: And and then uh, you know the COVID nineteen lockdowns, and so this is kind of a long. This is the norms of history. And now some will point out, okay, that 15% GDP number y- you have there, that's a little more broad and sure. that there's the residential real estate investment, mm-hmm. which is three to five. Okay. And people are saying three to five, it's really small, but right there tells you the story. It's three to five because it's five during the growth periods and it's three in the recessions. And that contraction, that loss of that GDP, and as it spills over into the rest of the economy, brings it up. And so this is why coming into this year, I was more bearish on housing mm-hmm. and I started to really get into the fundamental research about the overvaluation because all of that stuff becomes much more important once the housing cycle is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so where I kind of am is that yes, you're right. It, it, I think we're barreling towards a Fed-induced recession. I, I think it's a little stalled because there's so many homes under construction and, and the drop in activity on mortgages and sales isn't really necessarily what starts the contractions through the rest of the economy. It's construction. Mm. They have to slow, they have to put the builders on their ass.
0: Oh, they, they are. And it's, it has started. I, uh, John Burns Real Estate Consulting, as you know, does a monthly survey. They're starting to lay people off. It's it's coming, right? In, yeah, it's com- coming, but it's been delayed
1: a little bit. Sure. Like we've already been barreling, like the mortgage industry has already felt it. The real estate oh. agents have felt it. And the builders, you know, their sales have been plummeting. Yeah. But the, as they actually finish up these projects, which there's a lot out there. There is. Uh, not there, as yeah. much as, you know, they could have had if there wasn't the supply constraints. And that's something that John Burns Real Estate Consulting has pointed out. Yeah, they, they, could have been, they saved them. Yeah. Yeah, he could have saved them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it barrels through housing. I think it's a little delayed. But everything that you look at the numbers, um, it looks like we're pre-recession uh, or maybe it's going to get called back to this period. Yeah, um, that's but- my call.
0: Is I like to try to call things early because when you write, you look amazing. When you're a fool, you just, I'm okay looking like a fool. I think the recession will be called Q3, Q4 and I'm calling that really early, obviously.
1: Yeah, I and uh, I, I think a lot of the data looks close to that. Um, and, and so now... the that's the easy calls, right? Yeah, <laughs> come if, on, give me some credit. <laughs> call, and this is the the debate, is yeah. the nominal prices. True. Could we get nominal price declines? And that's that's the tricky question. Yeah, let's talk um, about that. And, and, and so where we kind of are right now with the forecast, Zillow is super bullish. They think yeah. it's still 7%. They're, they're wrong. Uh, if Freddie Mac or yeah, Freddie Mac is 4% year over year, mm-hmm. which probably means you still get Boise down year yes, over year.
0: Boise, Boise is a bubble. Yep.
1: Uh, mortgage bankers association is like around three, two, four. But if you, if you cut their analysis down, you can see that they actually have prices Q4, 2023, lower than Q2, 2022. Okay. And mm-hmm. and so you don't get the year over year, but you kind of, you yeah it's kind of that's the beauty have,
0: of year over year yeah 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 they
1: drop over a sixteen month period yeah. uh yeah. It, it, so it, and Goldman Sachs is one point eight year over year which I'm guessing theirs is probably just like Mortgage Bankers Association they think the end of two thousand twenty three prices are probably lower than Q two two thousand twenty two mm-hmm. uh, and then you do have and and then you have well Bill McBride who's kind of not making a call necessarily, but says he thinks it goes flatlined just Mm -hmm. based off of history. And Mm -hmm. I think that call makes a lot of sense. I think so too. Uh, You have Ivy Zellman, who's 3% year over year. Now, this is where you start getting to where you're getting some serious regional drops if we have 3% year over year nationally. Uh, Moody's is zero, but they go to five if recession comes. And so that's kind of like just saying you're down five. Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, down five. and, And Moody's is... Ten, five to ten percent in overvalued markets. So any market that is overvalued by more than twenty-five percent, which is a huge. It's a point. good,
0: yeah, it's a good chunk. It's got to be fifty percent. And market.
1: if it's recession, it's fifteen to twenty percent year over year, um, and and so that's Moody's. And then uh, John Burns Real Estate Consulting won't give the numerical figures. I've seen yeah. some of them, other people have seen them, but yeah. I would say th- they're bearish. Uh, yeah. They've even kind of admitted maybe more bearish than Moody's, but... yeah, gotcha. um, And and so there's a lot of calls out there, but I, and you look at history, it's very possible we get a nominal year over year decline. Uh, I think just the problem here is a lot of people think housing crash, 08, and we don't have those dynamics. There's no setup. We what, don't have those dynamics. Where's the
0: forced seller coming from,
1: right? Yeah. The cascading forced seller. Very, the you have to have the debt issues, and then you have to have the terrible economic issues. And, right. and GFC, we call it recession, great recession. That was a depression
0: yeah certainly in the housing it was (laughs) that was a depression dude my market Uh, went down 75 percent. you bet your ass it was a depression yeah yeah
1: now now reversely i think some of those because they're like okay we don't have those dynamics are kind of ruling out the possibility of nominal declines and even almost and and i don't think they should necessarily be afraid of nominal declines I think if we get nominal declines and it kind of helps with the fundamentals a little bit, not nothing crazy, maybe it's five, 10% in some of these bubbling markets, maybe yeah. it's 15, that helps with the fundamentals. And there's a lot of sideline demand happening now. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right that there's people locked down, but there's there's pent up demand that's going to be here. The, yeah. you know, a lot of these millennials still got to buy and yeah. we still need r- more homes Uh, we need more homes. Um, And so I think that a nominal decline, plus all of these other factors could set us up for a really, you know, a a good housing cycle past this one. But those who don't think this one's broken, who don't think that this housing cycle has turned over, uh, you know, you're going to continue to get more and more of a a rude awakening through the year. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, inflation, the latest reading is still 9%. So the fight's not over.
0: Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things that so I just like to share my opinion because you can point out where the holes are. Um, so a couple of things, again, I've studied housing pretty in depth for 30 years. Uh, first and foremost, this is going to end up on YouTube in my podcast. There's a lot of YouTube channels, as I'm sure you know, calling for 25, 30% crash in a single year. I've studied housing for a long time. And even the real inflation crashes of 79 to 82, 85 to 87 SNL, these were years in the making. The largest nominal pricing decline in my 52-year spreadsheet, I believe, was 2008. It might have been 2009, and that was 8.9 percent nominal, mm. right? So again, the chances of a double-digit price decline, median national, not very good if you want to call it for a one 12-month period. Just not. If you can't take the most recessionary, depressionary resets and mega-am loans and just real estate stupidity and get a double-digit decline nationally. I don't see how that happens. Could, it, could we have a nominal decline of 10% over years? Sure. I have no idea. But the chances inside a 12-month period, giving 52 years of history, not likely. So that's mm. why I think about that.
1: Yeah. Real- I mean, Go ahead. Real prices are sticky. Sellers yeah, don't exactly. There's a psychological issue to it. If yeah. there wasn't the psychological side of it, then it would probably- It's a different money. game. Yeah. But there's yeah. a psychological- you don't yeah, want to. That
0: it's called price elasticity. For all those people that want to look up some econ terms, it's yeah, emotional. And you got to live somewhere, right? If you sell your home... back to your point of you're not moving, if you sell your home because you you had another kid, you got to buy something else, and you're not going to triple your triple your mortgage payment. So, back to my thoughts about housing. Um, so again, I focus on the media. So I have I focus I buy in one market of Fresno, California. I know mm-hmm. that market like the back of my hand, and then. Uh, I live in the Bay Area, so I know the Silicon Valley. Okay, and then I talk nationally because that's all I can talk about, right? I don't know Boise, Austin, Nashville, so I have to talk nationally. So the chances that the national median home price goes negative in twenty twenty two not happen. Oh, Some it's people. impossible. Some
1: people race all the spring and get yeah. back to this December. Yeah. But you you say that like that's like
0: no duh. But there are people calling for a crash. Nominal crash in November. They just are. I don't know how they get there.
1: Well, the whole process to a crash would be, uh, you know, buyers back off, sales go down as mortgage rates went up. And then from there, it, you know, builders cut back. And then you kind of had to get all the way through to where inventory has built up. Yeah. There's actually a recession. People like there's a long process yeah, to that's- get to a crash. So even if the crash came. Yeah. Which, yeah. It ain't happening this year. Longer. It would have, yeah. it, it, this would be like 05, 06, and you would still have Yes, a long exactly. Period. Yes. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: So now let's talk about 2023 cuz that's at least an interesting discussion. Cuz 2022 is impossible, stop bringing it up. 2023 is interesting. And this goes back to my first statement, the aha moment of the fed broke housing. I think we're going to have a I think we're going to have a 1981-82 crash in transactions. 50% in new homes, 50% existing, that's a problem. That will lead to the national economy being in a recession. Mm-hmm. But I believe with so many people stuck, by the way, we still have three three point six percent unemployment. Even if that goes to five percent, that's still historically great. It's you're just not going to get that cascading of forced sellers. So I don't see how nominal nominal prices decline. I am kind of in the flat camp. You know, plus one, plus two, flat, real. I think we have a real housing decline because I think inflation is north of 5% next
1: year.
0: And if you want to talk about nominal housing crash in 2024, that gets even more interesting, certainly possible. Um, but it's, it's just so slow. I think it's going to be super slow.
1: We ignore the risk on inflation too, because what exactly 76, 77, where, you know, and it, it comes back. Um, and so what have we unleashed, uh, And so I'm very hesitant on the predictions Uh, and and where I am is just I came into the year bullish or bearish on the housing cycle because in November, after a few months of inflation going down, it swung back up. Mm -hmm. And so everything in history at that point, if you look at the data, and I'd be happy to share the chart from November it looks like the Fed would go into inflation fighting mode, break the housing cycle, go into recession. Yeah. And so now I'm not going to back off of that because you know yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's the call's gonna, out there. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So, I you know, but the, what the nominal home price stuff is, you know, I, I do a lot of writing on it. I look into it. People want to read about it. They're worried about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I, I think there's bubbly markets and sure. if no question does get tamed. We get recession. I think these places get some, some big numbered nominal declines, yeah. but that might not even really take them that far back in time.
0: Yeah, exactly. You go back to 2020 or something, but again, and
1: if those people bought back then at a 3.1 rate, they're still ahead of the game. Yeah. So, um, so to really have this to where, it was a bad decision to buy over the past year or two. We'd have to really have a deep crash. And you know, no. It's, it, it's just a very, it's historically incredibly rare. And yeah. And so that that that's where I am there. Uh, I I do think nominal price declines though are, are possible. Yeah, uh, I think
0: that I think it's market specific, right? I tell everybody to get their buy box. Uh, again, I have my buy box is Fresno, California. We can talk about any like like that market in detail, and then I go national. There's no national housing. Dec- I've been pointing at Boise specifically for like nine months. Like that's a problem, right? You can't have all this California money raining down, then they have the worst winter ever, and people boomerang out. It's just a supply demand mismatch. And, and
1: and for them, there's a double whammy of rate sensitive because not only were they rates well, first of all, the prices there even before the rate hikes were out of the locals. Out of the local domain, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they, now with the rates, you're starting to price out some of the the, the people coming in. Exactly. Or at least take away the the drawl of Boise, which mm-hmm. was part of, the affordability was a part of it, the bank. Of course. Was, but they're double whammy of rate sensitive because so many people coming there work in tech. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. So uh, incredibly rate sensitive. And they were even slowing a little bit before the spring, if you go back and really look at the numbers yeah um, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, I, but I think some of the things that are interesting with housing is less of the looking forward because it's so hard to predict oh, and, of course. and 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 then the part that is very like very obvious now, housing cycle is broken, it's mm-hmm. going to continue to weaken the overall economy. I think some of it is a question of, did, did we keep mortgage rates too low for too long? Absolutely. Did, the Fed broke housing. That was step one. Too low, to, like a year too long. What, why in December 2021 are we still at 3.1% rates? And the Fed is buying mortgages. I have no yeah. idea. And, and then the other thing is, did housing tell us from the get-go that this was an overheated economy? If you go back before they passed the last stimulus package, March 2021, mm-hmm. home prices were up 14% year over year. Yeah. And we've only had a few readings that high. Only and and two of them were oh five, oh six. That that was not a good time to that that was bad. uh, and so and and housing leads the economic cycle. Exactly. And so I think we were already in a good growth cycle. It was
0: it was flashing yellow and the Fed didn't. I think the
1: Fed not backing off. I think and this part, you know, is very disputed, but but Larry Summers agrees with it. The additional stimulus, like I think I I my belief is that we cut the business cycle shorter than it would have been. I agree. I think we had a good long growth cycle coming in. Uh, in and I think housing told us that. Housing's yeah. telling us now that this this growth cycle is over. <laughs> yeah. Prepare for the next one.
0: Yeah. I have one last question because I, I didn't know I would get here, uh, but this is so much fun. I put out a video in my playlist under the whiteboard session talking about the most important economic question. I don't have the answer, but I'm going to try to describe it to you. So as you know, CPI came in last month at 9.1. That's a problem. What I am seeing is a huge divergence. There are people like Kathy Wood who talk deflation, bullwhip effect, all of these things. And they're seemingly acting like more than half of that nine one is just going to mysteriously fall away. Supply chain is going to get fixed. Deflation is going to take over. And suddenly we get back to 4%. 4% is a lot easier to fight than 9%. I think we can all, all agree with that. That's one side. And those are the people that are buying the dip in the stock market. They're loading into crypto and all of this stuff. Which again, after a second rate rise, that went up yesterday. Go figure. Then there's people in the camp like, Okay, we will have some Bowick effect, some deflation, but maybe that's only 2%. So if you're fighting 4%, you go so high. If you're fighting 7%, you go higher. The big question for me is I don't know where, I don't know what's sticky, back to use your word. And it feels to me like wage inflation or wage growth is underreported because when I look at the wage numbers, they're not taking into account the great resignation. I was a hiring manager for 20 years. And when I hired from a competitor, they got 20%. But as I understand that number, that's not included. It's simply, hey, I paid you 20 bucks an hour. Now I'm paying you 22. That's a 10% wage inflation. The great resignation, changing jobs, changing careers, not counted. So I think there's a lot more wage growth that's being underreported. And thus, CPI is far stickier, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. and, and and, And so I'll get back to that question. But that brings up a good point. And I said coming into this year on Twitter that my biggest question mark with housing is actually income data. Yes. Because, I'm, because I look at it and we're at uh, like a 4% is what the conference board has. And there's other numbers. BLS is like 4.8. But then I go state by state at some of the payroll numbers. North Carolina, I found 9.6. Wow. If that is true and that inf- income is underreported, or it's delayed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that means that the housing market is less detached from fundamentals than we Exactly
0: think. my point, this affordability problem maybe is not as bad as people are thinking.
1: And, and so I would love, and, and there's only a few that go back all the way to the 70s, but I, I would still like to spend more time looking at the 70s, looking at the income data, and seeing how housing and income related, and if there was the lag on the income side. But I, I, you know, if income growth is much higher than we think it is, then the housing market is healthier than we think it is.
0: And more importantly for me, back to the question: Inflation is going to be higher and stickier because higher wages underreported means people buy more stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and so and the thing with inflation is I'm I'm hesitant to make any. Predictions with inflation, uh, because you know, part of it is it's a little bit of a Pandora's box, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's been opened. Oh um, yeah, the but
0: recession. the
1: Fed knows that too, and yeah. they know their their lessons from the past, and that's why I'm a little confused by the people who don't think it's a recession coming, because the Fed, even if it doesn't think that inflation, the the Fed. Everything in history tells the Fed to attack this harder, like the 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 risks of underdoing it are worse than overdoing it.
0: Exactly. Um, And I don't think the market gets that. People are people have gotten used to the Fed put. We had 40 years of the Fed put the the market cries. The Fed comes in. We haven't had inflation this bad in 40 years. So throw that playbook away. Go back to Paul Volcker. Powell's got to go harder and longer than the market expects, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and and uh, that's kind of where where I've been. And every time that something comes out and people start to get a little more bullish, I'm just sticking to it until inflation comes down, until that beast has been slayed. I'm gonna stay bearish on the cycle. And yeah, I- everything that I see, the housing cycle turning over, it all aligns with history of us moving towards a Fed-induced recession. Yeah.
0: I agree. So again, I believe the Fed broke housing. We've talked about that. I believe we are entering a housing depression. If if your income is based on housing, transactions, commissions, it's going to feel like a depression. Uh, I think CPI is far stickier than most because wage inflation is underreported. I do not see nominal price declines next year. Uh, This year is impossible. I don't see it next year, relatively flat, certainly bubble markets. Uh, Lance, where can people find you and find your work on Fortune?
1: Yeah. uh, If you just Google Lance Lambert fortune, you can find my housing stories uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at News Lambert. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks.
0: Mm